Right, good evening everyone. Um, there's a couple of new faces I see that I'm not sure whether I've met. My name is Leonard. I'm one of the elders here. And uh, my wife is Carla. You don't see her often because we've got two little ones that are home and going to bed in the next 20 minutes if everything goes well. If everything doesn't go well, I'm not there. So that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't faze me. <laughs> everything's, everything's fine on my side. <clears throat> so... Yes, I, um, obviously a lot of you, we, we're here because we gathered and we committed to coming to church and being together with other believers because we know that it's good for us, we know that God commanded it, and we know that this is a special way in which we come together and give glory to God when we come together. Uh, Alida's happy about that. You know, in a different way than when you're alone, we can glorify God when we're together like this. So it's a beautiful expression when we come together for church like we do today. Um, so many, but many of you also made it a big commitment to, tonight to be here because uh, we've got, we said we've got some things to process together as a congregation or as a church. And I just wanted to set you at ease to say no one's being stepped off of leadership. Um, I'm not leaving. Maybe that would be good news for some of you, but sorry for you, I'm not leaving. <laughs> There's no bad news. It's all good news that we need to process. So you can, yes. <laughs> So you don't have to be stressed, but there are a couple of good things that we're going to process. And I actually want to jump into it quickly, um, and and then I want to just share a message around it, because I think there are a few things that we need to learn. But I was driving here. Let me just quickly see. You know, you realize when you're getting old, some people last week or two weeks ago, Ruan preached the message, and he said they had computers that you pressed on in front, and that's how you switched it on. And then some of you looked confused, and I thought, no. That can't be right. You can't be confused. Surely you know that computers look like that. But then you realize we're actually getting old. So one thing I realized lately is that us older people are more on Facebook than the younger generation today. I didn't know that. I thought everyone was still on Facebook. Like if, you, if you're alive, you're on Facebook. Let me just quickly see who is, who's not on Facebook. Wow. Wow. Wow, <laughs> that is, are you serious? <laughs> wow, that is a shocker. <laughs> Guys, just if you're laughing now, just know one day you're going to stand in front of people and you are gonna, you're going to realize that you're old as well, so don't laugh. <laughs> it's like when you, I don't know if you've ever looked at photos from yourself about 10 years ago and then you're like, oh my, what was I wearing? You're going to laugh at what you're wearing at the moment as well, okay? <laughs> so, anyway, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> so here's, here's the story. I'm going to start now. But tonight's a bit of family business. Um, it's, it's more of a family message. I'm actually going to try and not keep to my notes as much. I just want to share a few things from the, from the heart, a couple of family practical matters for us, but also... Just something that I'm feeling in line with that God wants to speak into us and wants to challenge us on as a congregation. But before I get to sharing the news, I was driving here and um, I remember on Facebook, because when I was in high school and even university days, everyone had Facebook. Like no one was not on Facebook. All of us had Facebook. And sometimes on Facebook, so most of you, lots of you won't know this, but it's got this thing, it, it shows you some of your old statuses that you put up years ago. And then it would bring those back as memories, and it would show you some of your old statuses. 
And I just remembered, it's the weirdest thing, but I remember I drove in from Wellington to Stellenbosch this evening because we're building at our house and we're staying with my in-laws. And so I was driving in and I remember making a, a Facebook status. I remember the exact place. I'm driving into Stellenbosch and I remember coming with my mom, driving into Stellenbosch, going to study in Wellington and, um, and coming in making a status saying, because I moved from Joburg, no judgment. I moved from Joburg <laughs> and I made a status saying, Everything's going to be okay in Cape Town. At least there's a JJ's. You don't even know what a JJ's is. It's like cotton on, basically. <laughs> and I felt so stupid that I would put something like that on, on Facebook. It's like cotton on or whatever. It's like a shop that you buy clothes. And it was my favorite shop at that stage. And I remember I, I just felt so stupid. Imagine, imagine that you are coming to to the Western Cape from Gauteng, you're coming to study theology, lay your life down for Jesus, and what you're excited about is the fact that there's a JJ's in Stellenbosch. That's what made me excited, and I was just thinking, pondering on what I'm about to share tonight, and thinking how much God has done in me, and I believe He wants to do in all of us, to realize how much the things of this world are actually not as important as advancing His kingdom, and also realizing that advancing His kingdom has a cost to it, but that we should be willing to lay, to lay down everything for the sake of advancing His kingdom. Even if there was no JJ's anywhere, I should have been just like, oh, come on, God, I get to advance your kingdom. I get to be in your will. But we, we sometimes, we, our lives are revolving so much around ourselves and what we like. But when you come to a revelation that God has called you to be saved, to be intimate with Him, to have a relationship with Him, but not only that, to help advance His kingdom... And that advancing his kingdom is going to cost you. Just want you to let that sink in at the mo- for a moment. If you are going to walk with God for any number of, number of years, and you want to mean something for God, like you want to live a life that matters, then you are going to have to give up certain things, and there are going to be costly things for you in your life. And so tonight I'm going to share something that might not seem as costly to you, um, but I want to I wanna share, because I think this is still a teaching moment for us. So I'm going to start with the announcement and then share something from that. No one's pregnant as well. Sorry. All the, everyone's basically taken. <laughs> all the women are basically pregnant who can be pregnant and are married. <laughs> all the married people. <laughs> um, I feel like I've got, no, you say foot in mouth disease. I'm putting my foot in my mouth. I'm putting my foot in it tonight. So a quick announcement from my side, it's something really exciting, is, um, but it's, it's, it's going to cost the 4 p.m. group much more than it's going to cost you, but I actually want us as a church to buy in together with this and say, Lord, even if it costs me, I'm willing to let it cost me for the sake of the kingdom, and we all should be able and willing to do that, and this is maybe a small sample of that. So our 4 p.m. service and our 6 p.m. service has been in the same venue. You would notice when you walk in on a Sunday evening, the band is still busy practicing. That's because the 4 p.m. service ended late somehow because we're a charismatic church. We always end late and we start late. (laughs) So the band's still practicing, but there's a 4 p.m. service, and we've had to do the 4 p.m. service because of necessity. And it's been a good problem to have. You know, sometimes in church you have bad problems. There are difficult things as church leaders that you have to work with. But then there's also good problems. And some of the good problems we've had is uh, that we've, we've grown really quickly as a church. It's been phenomenal. I, I said um, to the 4 p.m. crew, when we started in 2020, 
that was uh, somewhere in February in 2020. We started with the evenings. We started with 40 people. And then six weeks later, we had COVID. So just remember, COVID took us out for a year, basically, or longer. It was a confusing time. Lots of people were out of Stellenbosch. And the other evening, we were more than 400 people gathered together. That someone helped me, someone that's cleverer than I am, said that's 1,000%, hey? Is it 100% growth? It's 1,000% growth. <laughs> Is it 1,000, clever people? All right. <laughs> uh, education students? Is it 1,000%? <laughs> <laughs> it's a thousand. Is it a, is it, are you sure it's a thousand? It seems drastic. Or is it a hundred percent growth? It's a thousand percent growth. Okay. It's a thousand percent growth within three and a half years. I'm losing you. Within three and a half years, with COVID in between. And so. It's been, quite a, like, it's been quite difficult for us as elders to process and have to figure out like, what is God doing here because when we keep growing and this hall was full, there was a stage where uh, people had to sit on the floor. I don't know, some of you were probably here. And there was so much life of God. I remember some services, we would end the service uh, at, at 8 and worship would go on until 9, 9.30 until we had to lock the venue and we'd still have 100, 150 people worshiping in here because the presence of God was here. And there was really such a move of God, and like God comes and go, like doesn't go completely, but there are these waves of God that we experienced. And then we like, okay, but what do we do? We don't have space. And in Josh Chen, if you've been part of Josh Chen or you know Josh Chen, we don't actually do services. Nowhere in Josh Chen do we do services like we do here. We do congregations. So what we end up doing is if a morning service or congregation grows, and we want to start an evening, it's not just a service with the same leadership. We plant out and we make it a different church. That's what we did from a.m. to p.m. But we didn't do it with four and six. And the reason we didn't do it is because we, are sh we, we don't have enough elders and leaders to be able to do it. It was just too quick for us. But all the while we've known that it's not the ideal situation for us to function like we're functioning. I'm at two services every Sunday. And it's fine, but sometimes that's really difficult for us as elders to find God for two different services because sometimes he's doing a totally different thing in four than he's doing at six. And it's been difficult. And another thing that's been quite difficult for us is the fact that pastorally, the reason why we rather make it into congregations is, is for pastoral purposes. Meaning, if you don't pitch up on a Sunday evening at 6 p.m., there's a good chance you just went to 4 p.m. So I don't even know if you came to church or not. And if you're looking for a church where people don't notice if you come, then this is not the church for you. <laughs> we actually want to be a church where we notice when you're not here. And yes, there's valid reasons why we can't come. And, and sometimes that's fine. It's not like you always have to be here. But if someone doesn't come, then I want, and we as elders want this to be a church where we actually notice. Because if someone doesn't pitch up for family dinner then there's a reason. And we just want to know, hey, are you okay? Why didn't you pitch up? I'm not coming down on you saying you were naughty. I'm just saying, like, is everything okay? And if there's a valid reason, then sure. But actually, we, we want to notice, right? We want to be that type of church. But it's been increasingly difficult with the growth and with the services to actually do that. So for the longest time, I've been wrestling with this and we've been wrestling with what actually does God want us to do, how to take it forward. So 
One thing that has happened is we actually did end up signing a contract uh, with a high school in Stellenbosch with a big venue. We're not going to go there. Don't worry. I'm, I'll explain now. But it's an 800-seater venue, which is phenomenal, meaning technically we could bring both services together. We, just hang on. We're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> we could bring both services together um, and whatever. But there's so much going on in my mind. Like this United Church, this old building, I'm like... I love this place. <laughs> and there's some things that I don't, I don't like the pews, to be honest, because it's difficult to worship sometimes. We can't have freer worship. But I love this place because there's, there's something of the proximity in town where it's easy to get to. We've got tourists walking past you. We've got students on our doorstep. It's such a great location. I actually never want to lose this venue if we don't have to. So I've been resting with that, like, God, what do we do with this venue? As well as, like, I love the fact that there's life in this old venue. Don't you love it? Don't you love coming to this old building and just experiencing the life of God? You're thinking, that's why God built this place. <laughs> surely. Surely that's why He built this place. We had this place built. But anyway, so that, that we actually signed a contract for us to be able to go into Rhenish High School, which uh, is a great high school, beautiful facilities. But it's looking like that might only happen in a year's time. And even if that happens, I'm not sure if all of us should move there or just a part of us should move there. But this is the things that church leaders we wrestle with. And, and all the while we've got these two services. And um, anyway, I kept speaking to the principal at Rhenish. And we've got a signed contract when the other church leaves in about a year's time. But um, in speaking, they said to us that they've got a different uh, venue. They've got about a 250-seater, which is similar to this size. Um, at the school that we are welcome to use. We can't use the big one yet, but we can use the smaller one. Beautiful kids' facilities. Um, it's, it's really in a good part of town. It's, it's great. And there's been such favor and open doors from the principal at that school. They've just allowed us in. They've wanted to make life easy for us, which I'm telling you in Stellenbosch, trying to find a venue, you need God. <laughs> it's difficult to find a venue in Stellenbosch, and it's just been the favor of God. So, what we are going to do is from the 30th of July, we are going to move our 4 p.m. service to Rhenish, and we're going to keep our 6 p.m. here, okay? There's a sigh of relief for some of you, eh? <laughs> I don't know what that reaction is. Some of you are bummed. You wanted to move on it. Some of you want to move to Rhenish or something, eh? <laughs> Seems like it. But we're going to move our 4 p.m. there, and we're going to keep our 6 p.m. over here. Now, practically... Um, what that actually means for us is that the two services, are, uh, to an extent, start functioning like congregations a little bit more, which is actually what we want. Because especially for the 4 p.m. group, we just want to take the time cap off there. I want to say if God wants to go on longer than 6 p.m. and you want to worship, then, then let God do it. But at this stage, the time constraint for us is really difficult, and we want to just take that cap off. At the same time, we want to be able to have 6 p.m., the worship team come in earlier, prepare their hearts. Anyway, we, like, it's just felt right for us to actually make this move. So some of you might be bummed because your friends go to 4 and you get to see them or you bounce between them and, and you're going to have to maybe make a call, which I'll speak about in a moment. But that's, that's what we're going to do. Now, you could actually easily sit here and think, oh, that's great, but that has nothing to do with me, Leonard. Go on with your preach, Okay. But I want to say, actually, it does have something to do with you. Because I believe God wants us as a, we are one church, 
and us as a church to say, if this is God and God wants to do something in the 4 p.m. crew, and even if you are not in the 4 p.m. crew, if you believe it's God, I want to ask you, would you consider that this would actually cost you something? On the one hand, it might cost you because we might have less 4 p.m. people coming to serve you. There's gaps. You need to fill those gaps. Stand up. That's the one thing. But I want to speak to you about the fact that actually that move to be able to do that for the 4 p.m. sake is going to actually cost us money to do that. And Josh Chen is quite tight on money at the moment. We're really extending ourselves um, as a church. As a church, we've got 40, I think they said 47, 40, 47 congregations now. We're quite in the red financially at the moment. So to do this is a step of faith, but we feel like it's the right thing in God now to make this move for us as a church. I, I don't know if I can probably say, a, a, a church in the box, starting a new church, and just buying the sound that you see here, buying microphones, I don't know, buying flags to show you where to come in, buying stuff for coffee, all of those things, that costs about 150,000 rand to start up. Then I don't even know if a generator is in there, and ESCOM has forced us to have to have generators for having church in the evenings. It's quite a hefty sum for us to be able to do that. But we really believe it's in the Lord. So I want to ask you that even though you don't go to 4 p.m., that you would consider sowing into this. And I just want to read you a quick scripture quickly. It's in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 7. I don't know if you've got it there, if you saw it at the bottom of my notes. The point is this. That's right. Whoever sows sparingly, this, let me just give you a bit of context here. This is the church in Corinth getting money together for a different church. This is not a tithe. So what I'm speaking about is not tithing. No, many of you are faithfully tithing, and that's beautiful. This is not tithing. This is Paul coming and saying, we are taking up an offering for a specific need. And then he says, the point is this, speaking to the church about their money. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, meaning if you just give a little, you might reap a little. But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then he says, and this is what I want to ask you, each of you must give as he has decided in his heart. I want to ask you in your heart to decide what can you give. And most probably I want to say, I think it'll be good if, it, if, it, if it's costly, the giving. I'll talk to you about my own life because we're also going to give. I'm not just the pastor here saying, give to me and I'm not going to give. I'm going to give, yeah? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. Like none of you are under compulsion to give. I'm asking, I'm not saying, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I want to say, as elders and as deacons, I haven't spoken to the deacons, but I'm sure they're going to be in for this. I, I want to say that we want to set the example of being the first ones to say, if I can in any way help the kingdom of God, God advance through my sacrifice, then I want to do that. I want to ask you to be willing to do that. We're building at our house at the moment. I said to the 4 p.m. crew, we are as broke as broke comes. <laughs> Like it's costing us more than we anticipated. We have to paint and all of those things because we're building a room because we're getting a third child. So we have to do it. But we are so broke at the moment, but I'm, I'm keen to go more broke. And, and Carla and I have spoken about this and we've said we are going to pray about it and we want to we wanna actually give that it hurts. And that's what we're going to do because we want to set an example to say, I want to sacrifice something for the Lord. No, David had this beautiful thing where he said, I, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but he, he actually, he sacrificed 
lots and lots of different animals to the Lord. It was a costly thing that he did as he made his way with, I think, towards the temple. And then he said this beautiful thing. He said, I will not give the Lord anything that doesn't cost me something. <laughs> says, I'm going to, my worship will be costly to me. And I want to speak into this for a moment, but I want to actually ask you if you would consider sowing some of your money into God advancing the kingdom, even if you don't directly pluck the fruits of it. Are you with me? Okay. So cool. If you will commit with me, that will be great. So I'm going to ask if they quickly put the banking details up there. If you want to give to this, we'll send this on the group as well. There's the banking details. And if you can just make the reference Rhenish for this, I want to ask you whatever in your heart you decide to do. Um, so if you've got any questions about this, ask. So here's the thing. I want to just quickly for a moment speak into this because I think this is a learning curve for us as a church. There's another little announcement later that's also a very exciting one that I'll, I'll keep just to keep your attention. I'm going to wait <laughs> just so you have to, you have to keep listening. Um, but, you know, this thing of sacrificing for the kingdom of God is really important because the kingdom of God grows through our sacrifice. Now, one thing that I've learned in, in Christianity is that, um, that God will, on purpose, God will take me to a place where it's difficult for me, for my growth and for the growth of others. And I'm not saying he always does that. God, doesn't, God isn't a God that will just make life sucky for you. God is a, is a wonderful God. I'm going to tell you a quick testimony about that. I've got a friend. He leads um, the Josh Chen Church in Bonnyvale. And, <laughs> and a while ago, there's, um, they announced that there's a trip going to Jerusalem, to Israel. And he just, he just spoke to God. Andrew Sely, who leads Josh Chen, said they're taking a team there and people can apply to go. And he just, he just, in his heart, he was just praying to, towards God one day, and he said, God, that's really so expensive. I don't think I can make it, but God, if you want me to go, would you please, I'm just going to say it, I'm, anyway, I feel almost bad speaking about money, but he just said, God, won't you provide 100,000 rand for my wife and I to be able to go? It's more than they need. They don't need that amount of money, but he was just praying. It just sort of slipped out. God, if, if it's you, then you can do everything. All money is yours. Then God, please give me this money. And he went on with his life thinking like if God says no, he's okay with that. Because you have to be okay with God saying no. Not sometimes, many times. <laughs> like the best thing I can say to my children mostly is no. No, don't touch there. Don't put your finger there. Don't scratch me. Don't hit your mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, like <laughs> good parenting says no and God will say no to you many times. Many times he'll say no to you. But he just prayed it and he went on with his life. He sort of forgot about it. I think that week, if I'm not mistaken, or the next week, a guy in church came to him. He didn't know what he prayed. He didn't even mention that he prayed this to his wife. He didn't say it to anyone. And he just came to him and he said, listen, I just felt God laying on my heart that I should pay 100,000 rand into your bank account. <laughs> and so my friend doesn't have that kind of money. He, he, says, he says to me, Leonard, you know what I can do with 100,000 rand? <laughs> He's like, now I'm stuck. I prayed it. <laughs> I, I'm, I have to go to, to Israel because that's what I prayed, and I have to follow through now. So now he's applied. But, but beautiful that God can, 
No, that's the God we serve. He also blesses us abundantly. He is that good God that knows the intricacies of your art. He's, he's able to answer those prayers. He's able to bless you abundantly. He does that. If I look at my life, I am abundantly blessed. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got two children. I've got another child on the way at the moment that doesn't feel like a blessing yet, but it will. <laughs> I name it and proclaim it. It will feel like a blessing. I'm still a bit scared, as you can see. I'm like, oh, my sleep's going to disappear again. <laughs> I haven't fully gotten it back, and it's going to go again. <laughs> anyway, that God has abundantly blessed me, and, and He abundantly blesses us, but if your worship of God and your understanding of God stops with the abundant blessing of God, then you haven't understood God correctly. Because as much as a father loves to give, a father also knows that for your growth, sometimes he has to take away. I've got one of the elders in, um, in, uh, in Paul now, and I went to stay with him and his family. I went through a bit of a tough time a few years ago and just went to stay with him for a few days. And Spent time with him, and he's, he's, in, he's a very good businessman. And he sat with his children, and all of them had to give in a budget to him. And they pay all of their own money. They pay their own school fees, buy their own clothing, all of it. He, doesn't, he only gives them pocket money, and then he doesn't give them a cent of other money. So he teaches them to budget, but he sits with them with their budgets from a young age. And he had a little girl, and he, I thought it was really great. And she came with his, her budget, and he said, okay, this is what you're budgeting, school fees, all of those things. Okay, I'll pay that into your bank account. And when she left, he said to me, you know, I, that's actually not enough. She's not going to make it. But I want her to learn the lesson for herself. I want her to go and try and see that she needs more and then come to me and say, Dad, I didn't make it. That's the only way she's going to learn. And you know that... If our worship of God only stops with the abundance, God will only always provide all that I need. I want to say there's a little bit more towards God that you haven't known. There's another side to him. Many times God will place you in positions where you have to cry out to him and say, God, I don't have enough to be able to get through what I'm going through at the moment. God is going to put you in difficult positions in your life. He's going to take you through times where you feel, God, where are you? Why are you putting me here? Why is this so difficult? Why is there so much sacrifice involved? Lord, I don't understand. And what God would want to say to you in that time is, yes, I know that I've put you there because I want you to rely on me. I want you to learn to rely on me. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8 to 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the afflictions we experienced in Asia. He's speaking of his own afflictions that he went through, the difficulties that he went through. And you'll see later, he says that God put him in this difficult place. You know, God can put you in a difficult spot. Many times we like to point fingers. That person did that to me. My circumstances did that to me. The university did that to me. My boss did that to me. Many times behind that is actually God. Because he wants to teach you something. Let's see. Paul, Paul doesn't just shrug, shrug it away. He says, um, for the afflictions we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. Listen to that. Not within my strength. You know that thing where they say, God won't, you give, won't give you more than you can endure. Ever heard that? It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah, Paul says it. He says, God gave me. Where is it now? Beyond 
uh, utterly burdened beyond our strength. He said, I did not have the strength. It was beyond my strength that we despaired of life itself. Paul said, this was so difficult that I despaired of life itself. The guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, listen to this, despaired of life itself, meaning, God, I'm following you. This is so difficult, I want to die. Anyone ever been there? (laughs) Some of you might have, but it's been so difficult to follow God. But let's listen to what he then says. Um, Indeed, we felt that God, that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God wants to bring you to a place of reliance on Him, and He will place you in difficult positions so that you can rely on Him. So I want to just challenge you. If your Christianity is all about comfort, it's all about making it easy for yourself. If you coming to church is all about just what I can receive and how it's nice for me and how I can be intellectually stimulated, I want to say to you that's part of it, but it's not the full picture. There's more. God wants to teach you and he wants to bring you to a place where your life is like this. Lord, whatever you want to do through my life, do it. Do it, God. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do whatever you want, Lord, because my life is not my own. I am a person that is reliant on you. What does Jesus do? What is the example that Jesus set for us? Jesus didn't only want the blessed and abundant life. I think sometimes if Jesus on the cross had to read some of the tweets or the, you know, the tweets that some of the prosperity preachers today were to tweet, I think he would be horrified. Say, live your best life now, Jesus hanging on the cross. <laughs> like, um, this is not my best life now, I can tell you that. But I'm doing it because I'm following God. So what did Jesus do? Jesus was not obsessed with a life that is all about comfort and convenience. If he was, he would have stayed in heaven. Because the most ideal place ever is in heaven. Heaven is great. It's not like the cartoons. It's not like someone floating on a cloud playing a harp. That sounds boring to me, honestly. Like, I think heaven's going to, I don't know, just a little caveat, but I think heaven's going to be awesome. I think we're going to do sports in heaven. Actually, really think that. <laughs> I think we're going to work. Are you laughing? I really do think that's going to be in it. <laughs> hey? Not e-sport, normal sport. <laughs> the Bible actually teaches us that we are going to work in heaven. I think work will be different. It won't be toil like it is today. I think we're going to eat in heaven. Praise God. <laughs> Jesus ate after his resurrection. The angels ate. I don't know why I'm saying these things. I'm just saying heaven is awesome, Okay. Heaven is great. It's not like the boring place. Like, yes, we are going to worship God, but in my mind, I always thought, it's, it's, it's going to be different than we think. I think we've got such a misunderstanding of what heaven is. It's going to be intimacy with God, but a life lived with God, with His people. I think we're going to know people still in heaven. It's really going to be amazing. It's not like the, the modern picture that we, that we have of heaven. Anyway, heaven is an amazing place. And Jesus is not all about the blessed life. Like, I'm going to be in my comfort zone. I'm going to just do what I like. Jesus said, if I'm going to live this life, I'm not going to mean anything. Same with you. If your Christianity is all about comfort and there's never a place of sacrifice, of difficulty, 
of allowing God to shape you in the difficulty, then you're not emulating Jesus, actually. Jesus said, heaven is the most comfortable place, but I'm not living for my comfort and my convenience. Comes to earth. If you had to compare earth to heaven, it's almost like comparing Stellenbosch and Boxburg, where I come from. It's like... <laughs> No, I'm joking, it's a little bit worse. <laughs> but like Jesus says, I'm not going to stay in the comfort of heaven. I am going to show them an example, and I'm going to come and I'm going to lay my life down. Not only that, but he chooses to do what he does not want to do by dying on a cross. Now, the only place where I can see in the Bible where the father and son for a moment were not in agreement was before Jesus had to die on the cross. He says, Father, if there's any other way for this to happen, let this cup pass from me, Jesus says. But what does he say after that? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Says Jesus says, this is what I want, but God, I don't care what I want. I'm laying down what I want for your sake and for your kingdom's sake. He dies on a cross, and the reason you are sitting here, the reason you can have eternal life, the reason you can worship Him freely and come into His presence is because Jesus did not live a life of comfort and convenience, but He lived a life of sacrifice, saying, I'm willing to do whatever to make my Father happy and to let His kingdom advance. So what about us? How much of our lives is just about what is comfortable for us? How much of my life is centered around me? I'm doing my studies. I'm doing my job so that I can get a lot of money, so that I can retire early, so that I can have a house at the beach, 2.2 children, and have a blessed life. Because <laughs> those are the stats. How much of your life is that? And how much of your life is saying, Lord, it's not my life, it's yours. Whatever you want, Lord. I'm willing to sacrifice, Lord, for your sake, for your kingdom's sake. And sometimes I'm like, I praise God for the, for the growth of this church. And sometimes I shudder in my boots because of the growth of this church. Because the bigger we grow, if we don't pull this thing back to where God wants it, what's going to inevitably happen is we are going to become a fat Staley's PM. Meaning we just receive, 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 but we never give. The more we grow, if we are not careful, and I, I, we are going to shift this boat, and I'm hoping to let all of you stay on the boat with me as we shift it. But we need to keep shifting this boat to say, Lord, we don't want a church that is just there for people to come and receive their blessing and go home. I've got my notes. I can make my Facebook status this week. <laughs> my Instagram status or my TikTok dance about the preach or whatever. <laughs> Sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Will that work? <laughs> I've lost my place there. I'm <laughs> like But for us as a church, we need to stay a church that says, Lord, we want to stay a healthy church. We, a big church is not what we're going for. A healthy church is what we're going for. And a healthy church means healthy saints, healthy individuals, healthy people that are willing to lay down their lives and are not here for comfort and convenience. It's becoming easier to come here for comfort and convenience. 
When we planted this church, we started in a dodgy hall that was half broken, was in the most dodgy part of town. It was like so dangerous to get there, but we, but we did it. <laughs> and then we moved four times in order to actually do that. But now we're in this beautiful place. We've got a beautiful hall. It's walking distance. It's quite easy. And it's easy that when sacrifice is asked that you think, ah, I don't think God is asking me of that. But actually, God is asking you, get out of your comfort zone. If this church, if, if you are not constantly led out of your comfort zone, then you might not be listening to what God is saying. Because God is not a God that's going to leave us in a comfortable position. So I'm not saying he's a taskmaster that's just standing there whipping you the whole time. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he's a loving God that says, for your sake, for your growth, I need to challenge you. I need to bring you to a place of sacrifice. I need you to keep laying your life down for my sake, even if it costs you. God needs to do that. So then I, I speak, for instance, to the 4 p.m. service. And you know what my worry is? If we are not healthy, if we are not a church that says, Lord, it's not about our lives, it's about your kingdom, and we will do whatever for your kingdom, then what inevitably happens is we move the 4 p.m. and some people say, oh, it's just a bit too far. I don't have a lift this week. I won't go to church. What does that reveal? It reveals that you're not willing to sacrifice. But we should be as people that say, Lord, I, my life is consisting out of sacrifice for you. I'm going to say, um, I mean, there's many examples we can use. I, maybe one or two out of my own life. And other people have these stories as well. But um, let me use COVID as an example because eh? I, I thought about it today again. But during COVID, no, uh, many people's salaries were in danger. And we were so fortunate as a church that the finances stayed really stable throughout COVID and the church actually grew throughout COVID. And a lot of time was spent at home. And I know COVID sucked, but some of COVID was nice. I don't know if you agree with me, if it's bad to say, but some of it was actually not bad, being able to relax at home and be at home a bit more and just not have a lot of pressure on you. For a single person, it must have sucked, but for a married person, some of it was great, I must admit. Some of it was great, actually. And um, I remember just enjoying it. I, I was on this, like, I'm going to read a lot of books, I'm going to study, I'm going to we watched MasterChef until we couldn't watch MasterChef anymore. And we, we cooked and we made food and banana bread and all of those things. Like we were, we were going for it. But something nagging in me kept thinking of a few people in Stellenbosch that when we planted got saved that lived in Wooster. And Yakumizia, she, was, she didn't get saved there, but she was in Wooster. <laughs> and um, one of the first people we led to the Lord that has actually now backslidden, and I want to pray that she will come back to the Lord, but one of the first people that we led to the Lord as Stally's PM at that stage was in Worcester, and I just had such a burden saying, Lord, these people are there, and you want to advance your kingdom, and what about them? What's going to happen? And my wife and I called, I don't know, called Andrew and them and said, can we just go start something in Worcester, drive through, and just see what God does? And we got a group of the students together that were there, and we said, hey, we want to maybe start a church. Let's see what happens. Get your parents, <laughs> get your dog and your cat, and everyone who can come, get them to come. We're going to come. We looked for a venue. Caroline and I drove through during COVID, looked for a venue, found a little venue for a good price that we could rent. And every Sunday morning, we drove through for months. I don't know. It was, how long was it? Six, nine months? I'm not sure. 
probably about six months, every Sunday morning, we would stand up and we would drive through. I'm not getting paid extra for this. This is not like on my eldership contract. It's not that. It's because I, I've got a value that, Lord, you want me to sacrifice for your kingdom. And, and I felt God was asking me this. And I could have said, ah, oh, Lord, no, you know what? I don't need to do it. And we kept driving through for months, actually. And there is a, a Josh Jane church in Worcester at the moment because of that. And there's been salvations because of that. And it's not because of me. I like, I'm, I'm not trying to make myself bigger here. All I know is when God says go, I must go whether I like it or not. <laughs> I'm his servant. And you know what ends up happening? You end up loving it actually. <laughs> I loved it. I love being obedient to the Lord. The Bible says that when we teach and when we teach the church, it's not just teaching. When we make disciples, discipleship is teaching people to obey all that's commanded. The whole point of this is that we would obey God whether we like it or not, whether it's convenient or not. And then many times it's actually the best thing and you end up loving obeying the Lord. It doesn't make sense in the moment. And we, yeah, we did that. I wish my wife was here. She's really a champion. She, uh, with church, we, uh, up until recently, we were the only people with kids here. You know, that is not convenient. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. It's not convenient, but we don't care about that because our lives are not our own. We're here to do a job, and it's God's job, and it's to lead this church. And whether it's convenient or not, that really is not the point. And up until about a month or two ago, my wife, and for the last two years, has not listened to a sermon in person. She listens to the sermon online throughout the week because she, she's running after both our, our kids all, all service. But she wants to be here because this is where God has called her. And she doesn't care about the sacrifice because it's God's kingdom. Okay? I don't know if this is hitting home for you. But some way we must look in our hearts and say, how much of my Christianity, of my church experience, of my walk with God is just comfortable? And am I willing to make sacrifices for the Lord? Am I willing to do it? If we, we had to move now, we had to ask you, I don't know, like to do something difficult, so we had to preach something, and there's a difficult call made. Are you willing to obey, to listen to the Word of God? Are we willing to do that even when it's inconvenient for ourselves? Even with this call, I'm not trying to manipulate you for money, really. This is between you and the Lord. But are you willing to even give of your finances for the kingdom of God to be advanced? We have to be. Yeah. I just think, um, as elders, this is... This is it is a preach, but on the other hand, it's more just uh, us as elders coming in and speaking with you guys what we really believe God is saying. And why I believe actually for, for this group of people, the 6, 6 p.m. specifically people, uh, I think this is going to actually, to a large extent, be a watershed moment more than even for the 4 p.m. service. And why I believe that is many times I've, I've dreamt about what is the life that I want to live actually for God. And now specifically in this season, we are, the family is growing, little Mia is going to come in September, and I'm, and I'm dreaming about what is our family life going to look like? What is the culture we want to build? What is the family we want to be? What is the parents that we're going to be? And I don't always know, but I, I know what I want to be. And there's something of an example and something of a father and something of a godly figure in Mia's life that I would love to be, that as she grows up, she sees, that's my dad. 
There's something special. There's something that he follows God wholeheartedly, sacrificially. And there's a culture through my life that I'm building into our family through the life that I live. And it's not going to help that one day I want to be a great dad, but now before me I comes, I commit myself to God. I give myself to the things of the Lord. I love Brigitta. I take her on date nights and buy flowers, although the thing dies. I, I commit myself to this marriage. But there's something of a culture that I'm building into us. And I think likewise for all of us, this is going to be something that you commit yourself and say, what is the church that we want to be? We can be any church, actually. We can be the one that you come every single week, but it's not going to be a biblical church. Just come, sit, enjoy, leave. Nobody knows that you were here tonight. Nobody knows your name. But there's a culture that we're building that we're not building like that. We want to build a kingdom culture, a kingdom church. And I think even through our act, although we do not benefit directly, we do benefit directly. Through people walking into the more of God, the 4 p.m. experiencing in a sense, open heaven that we've had here in 6 p.m., no time limit. I want to have stories from here. People, we've had it many times in Josh Jen. Sorry, I'm taking over. You can go, sit. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, in, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. In Josh Jen, of people selling their cars and giving it to, laying it at the apostles' feet and saying, this is a move from God, so I'm selling what I'm having and I'm giving it. We've had elders that that I've known about, they've sold their houses, their only house. That's two million just there, giving it for the sake of the kingdom, sacrificial living. And I've always looked at that and I said, God, I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those. I want to have a story to tell, to look back and say in 2023, there was a call made. There was a move of God and God is taking us as a group of people into something. And I was a part of that. That guy from my com, he sold his car and he gave it. Or that person, and I'm not saying this to go sell your car. I'm saying whatever God asks of you, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Whatever it takes. Like me and Brigitte, we're going to give thousands to this. We can say it from front. We don't know what. She doesn't know it yet. Why? <laughs> Why? Because we are committed to see a culture established. Not only a sound system established, but a culture established of directly giving, uh, of sacrifice, and a culture of kingdom. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Um, John twelve twenty four to 26 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, meaning like sacrifice, giving. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If you want to live a life that bears much fruit, then die to yourself. <laughs> die to yourself. Whoever lo loves his wife, life, sorry. <laughs> That's who. Whoever loves his life loses it. So don't love your own life. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Make sure you're not living for this world. If anyone serves me, you must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servants also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That is our motto as a church, dying to live. <laughs> dying to live, Josh Chen's motto. Like we want to die to ourselves, die to our own desires, die to our own careers, die to our own ambitions to say, God, your glory, <laughs> your glory, your kingdom. That's what we live for. And God will challenge you. I can't give you practical examples. God will challenge you in his own way in the days to come.
but he will do that, okay?